Chapter 3, November 1968, age 13. The dimly lit hallway leading from the classrooms to the offices of Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic School was filled only with the echoing muffles of teachers drilling their students on various subjects as Robert made his way to the office of Miss Howell, the social worker assigned to him. He dragged his hand along the locker bank and encountered the glossy vinyl tiles on the floor with each step, not in any hurry to get to his destination. When he got to the end of the hallway, right before turning the corner to the main corridor, he crept up to the classroom door on the left and peeked in. Inside, he saw his best friend, Angelo Sali, on the third row, fourth seat back. Robert made enough motion with his hand to get Angelo's attention. Fortunately, no one else saw him, especially the teacher, Miss Anne. Robert had reserved a special hatred for Miss Anne. She was his teacher in third grade, where he quickly earned the reputation as the troublemaker who did just about anything to draw attention to himself. Writing on the chalkboard when she stepped out, shooting spitballs, making noises with various parts of his body. There was nothing he wouldn't do for a laugh, and Miss Anne was determined to punish him for every instance. For the most part, he accepted the punishment as the price he had to pay for being the class clown and harbored no hard feelings toward her. That changed halfway through that school year. Miss Anne was in the middle of teaching a multiplication lesson to the class when Robert raised his hand and asked permission to go to the restroom. It was about an hour after lunch, and Robert had drunk not only his thermos full of Kool-Aid, but Angelo's chocolate milk as well. When they went back to class, they had an opportunity to use the restroom, but Robert didn't need to go at the time. Now, his bladder felt like it was at the point of bursting, and he was squirming like a worm. No, Miss Anne replied. You'll just have to wait until we all go as a class. But I have to go really bad, Robert protested. That is enough. Now let's continue with the lesson with no more interruptions. Robert did everything he could to forget about his discomfort. He crossed his legs, pressed down with his hand, tried to think of something else, but it was no use. Like a flood, the warm urine created a puddle beneath him that spread quickly, filling his seat and flowing down the sides to the floor below. A couple of kids next to him noticed the pee and screamed as they pointed. Ew, Robert peed his pants, they yelled, bringing all eyes in the classroom on Robert. It was true he loved to have everyone's attention, but this was not the kind he wanted. This was humiliating and made him want to hide. As the laughter and exclamations of disgust continued, Miss Anne walked up to Robert's desk, her hands on her hips and nostrils flaring. You did this on purpose, didn't you? She said. No, Miss Anne, I... Well, you'll just have to clean it up. She pointed to the narrow cabinet built into one of the walls. You'll find a bundle of paper towels in there. Get them and grab the trash can too. But, Miss Anne, I'm all wet. Robert tried hard to fight back the tears. Now, young man, or else you'll be making a trip to Principal Aquinas's office. Robert was well aware of the bare-bottom paddling administered by the principal and wanted nothing of it, so he got up and did as Miss Anne said. The squishy squeak coming from his shoes brought more laughter from his classmates, which transformed his humiliation into anger. Shut up, he yelled as the threat of tears shook his words, effectively quieting his tormentors. From that day forward, he never rid himself of the bitterness he had for Miss Anne, especially since she continued her campaign against him in grades four and five. Many times she wrapped his knuckles with a drumstick for not knowing the answer to a problem. Once he was caught combing his hair. She forced him to wear a bow and sent him to the girls' class where he had to parade around for a while. Then she sent him to Principal Aquinas for a bare-bottom paddling. Now, as he stood outside her door making faces at his friend Angelo, mocking Miss Anne as she taught the class, 
He felt the satisfaction of a little revenge, though it was far from complete. As one last strike before he continued to his social worker's office, he wiggled the handle of the door and took off running. When he got inside the main office, he walked straight back to where Miss Howell's office was, straightening his shirt and slicking back his hair along the way. Every week, Robert looked forward to his visit with his social worker. Not only did it get him out of class, it allowed him to spend time with a very pretty woman on whom he happened to have a crush. Her door was open, so Robert peeked in. She was sitting at her desk, scribbling on a piece of notebook paper. Looking up from the papers splayed across her desk, she said, Come on in, Robert. He eased inside and slid into the single wooden chair in front of Miss Howell's desk. The office was very small, not much bigger than the janitor's closet. Along with the desk and two chairs, the only other piece of furniture was a bookshelf filled with texts on psychology and child behavior. Like the rest of the school, the walls of Miss Howell's office were painted drab gray. The wall directly behind her had a print of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and hung on the wall to her right was a calendar. In direct contrast to the office's dull features, Miss Howell's puffy black hair shimmered and her sparkling blue eyes were just as radiant. But what warmed Robert the most was her smile, with which she greeted him every time. And he didn't have to tell a joke or make a funny noise to get her to do it. He was so enraptured by her beauty that he didn't realize she had been speaking to him. Robert, did you hear me? He straightened up. Uh, no, Miss Howell, I didn't. I said I was just looking over your grades from last six weeks. Yeah, they stunk. Miss Howell nodded. I would have to agree with you, but you're a bright young man. Robert sat up. She thinks I'm a man. She continued. There's no reason you should be making these kinds of grades. So tell me, Robert, what's going on? Robert shrugged. I don't know. I disagree. I think you do know. He shrugged again. Maybe I'm just bored. And when you're bored, you start doing whatever entertains you, and that gets you into trouble. So what we need to do is figure out how you can continue to participate in class without getting into trouble. They continued with a conversation on Robert's behavior, about half of which he never heard. It went on right up until lunch, at which time Miss Howell told Robert he could rejoin his class. He found his buddy Angelo near the end of the lunch line in the cafeteria and jumped in front of him. Behind Angelo was Matthew Baccio. He started a protest, but Robert sensed it, turned and glared at him. The mouth that had opened to complain slowly shut without a single word escaping. There was a good reason for Matthew's retraction. Within five years of the incident in Miss Anne's classroom, Robert's reputation went from the small, cowardly kid who peed his pants to one of the toughest street fighters in the neighborhood. The latest incident that added to his newfound status occurred at the first part of the school year while he was walking his brother Richard home from school. It was Richard's first year at Our Lady of Lords, and their mother counted on Robert to walk him home and protect him. This annoyed Robert at first. Richard had not only taken the attention once reserved for him by his mother, now he was responsible for him as well. There were only two ways to school, through the Puerto Rican neighborhood down Eastern Parkway or the black neighborhood down Stone Avenue. Every day, Robert and his kid brother crossed paths with the blacks and Puerto Ricans of rival gangs going to the public school behind their apartment building while they went to the Catholic school. For the most part, they would just stare each other down as they passed, or make a snide remark, making sure the other knew the hatred was real. About two weeks into the school year, Robert and Richard were walking down Stone Avenue, headed home. Three members of the Bushwick Boys, a black gang that staked a claim to the neighborhood adjacent to Robert's, started following them. All of them were bigger than Robert, and the tallest of the three carried a stick. 
Robert and the rest of FNR had dealt with these guys, clashing in gang fights throughout the summer. But facing them without his buddies was a completely different scenario, especially since he was lugging his little brother like a ball and chain. It didn't take long for them to catch up with the brothers. Give us your money, one of the boys said, giving Robert a shove. Anger and fear shot into his veins. He cursed them and said, I ain't got no money. You're not so tough without your friends, are you? Apparently, they recognized Robert as one of the F&R gang members. They kept pushing him and calling him names. But by the time they got to the corner of Truxton Street and Stone Avenue, Robert's anger and fear had metamorphosed into rage. He rushed his brother over to the median as they continued to taunt him. Stay here, he ordered Richard. The three Bushwick boys were surprised when Robert turned and charged after them. The tall guy swung the stick at him. Robert blocked it with his arms. The impact caused the other boy to lose his grip, and the stick fell to the ground. In a flurry of fists that connected with his adversary's face, Robert managed to knock the bigger kid to the ground while his two friends ran away. Straddling the other kid, Robert never let up, every blow compounding the damage caused by the previous one. The fight got the attention of some of the older guys from the neighborhood hanging out in a nearby corner. They came over and watched the fiasco as Robert pounded on a guy twice his size. With each punch, though, his knuckles began to feel the pain. It was then he noticed the crowd of older Italian boys gathered around him, cheering him on. Give me that stick, he yelled, considering that only a moment ago, his adversary had been willing to use it on him. He heard, no, Robert, just use your hands. So he did until they hurt so much he couldn't throw another punch. The kid's mouth was bloody and both eyes swollen. Robert let him up cussing him as the boy ran over to the corner where his cowardly buddies were waiting for him. Some kind of friends they turned out to be, Robert said as he rubbed his hand and tried to catch his breath, relishing in his moment of glory. So when Matthew Baccio realized it was Robert who was cutting in front of him, he didn't hesitate to allow him passage. Robert turned to Angelo. So what's for lunch today? You're buying? Yeah, I left mine at home. You picked a bad day to forget it. We're having the manager's special, whatever that is. Robert sniffed the air. Macaroni and cheese. And I bet you we get a side of turnip greens, too. Again, Angelo started ranting, swearing at the food and the lunch ladies. Apparently, the expletive was loud enough to catch the attention of Sister Anne, not to be confused with Miss Anne. Sister Anne, better known to the students as Sister Booger Picker, was a burly eighth-grade teacher who was as mean as she was big. Her rosy cheeks and distinct accent gave away her Irish roots. She towered over most of the 7th graders, with the exception of Tommy Garfield, the center for the YMCA basketball team. He was only 13 years old and already over 6 feet tall. Robert was struggling to break the 5-foot barrier, so when he stood next to Tommy, his line of sight was somewhere between his chest and navel. It wasn't much different with Sister Anne, although she was a lot thicker than Tommy. She must have been waiting in line to buy her lunch, since she had her pocketbook with her. She marched over, her eyes on fire, her pocketbook tucked under her arm. She planted her feet right in front of Robert. He stared at the wooden cross dangling from a silver chain around her neck. Which one of you said that? Her voice was about as low as Principal Aquinas and as Irish as St. Patrick's Day. Said what, sister? Angelo asked with a voice of innocence. Robert still didn't look up, but the air forced through her nostrils brushed across his face. He felt like he was in the presence of a raging bull. You know what? The S-word. Robert knew he should have kept his mouth shut, especially after his meeting with Miss Howell, but at that age, his mouth was its own entity. He said, 
which one is the S-word? Some of the kids around them snickered, and Robert smiled. Sister Anne thrust her hands onto her hips, or at least in the general vicinity, and leaned over so she could be on Robert's level. Young man, you know good and well what the S-word is. It's what you're made of. Gasps could be heard from the same kids who had just snickered at Robert's joke. He stood there, stunned for a moment, caught off guard by Sister Anne's remark. He was a punk kid, definitely not a saint. It was expected of him to be disrespectful and have an out-of-control mouth. On the other hand, she was a nun, one of God's workers. She was supposed to be more like an angel and only say things that are good. Unfortunately for Robert, she and every other staff and faculty knew of his reputation as a smart aleck, and she seemed determined to go toe-to-toe with him and win. Feeling the pressure to spout off a comeback line, Robert crossed his arms and leaned against the cafeteria's cinder block wall, still avoiding eye contact with the giant nun. Is that what you ate for breakfast? He waved his hand in front of his nose, grinning as he looked around for approval. Instead of experiencing more satisfaction from his peers' laughter, all he got was a bunch of saucer-eyed boys with gaping mouths staring back at him. With his focus on them, he never got a chance to dodge Sister Anne's pocketbook, honed in on his head. It smacked him hard in the nose, which made his head slam into the cinder block wall. Once again, he was stunned. This time it was coupled with a lot of pain. He tried to play off the tears in his eyes as the result of his nose being hit, but the truth was he was crying. The woman packed a punch that would knock Sonny Liston for a loop, and here she was, smacking a kid one-fourth her size with a pocketbook loaded with a bunch of change. When he finally looked up at her and saw her smirking, satisfied that she had humbled him before his classmates, his crying immediately turned to rage. Unfortunately for her, she'd misjudged Robert's tenacity and the pride that fueled it. His most valued possession was his newly found reputation, and he wasn't going to let anyone take that away from him, not even a nun. To him, she was just as loathsome as another Bushwick boy who had come into F&R territory and picked a fight. With all his fury, he started flailing at her with his fists. He never landed what he would consider good blows. Her face was too far out of reach, but of course that didn't matter. Two of the brothers who taught at the school came to Sister Anne's aid, and after restraining Robert, dragged him down to the principal's office. The fact that he attacked a nun was enough to get him suspended from school. In fact, it was the last straw for Aquinas. He tried to send Robert to another Catholic school in the area, but when the suspension was over, Robert had to come back to Our Lady of Lourdes, since no one was willing to take him off his principal's hands.